Hello and welcome to Good Questions, Real Answers. I'm Kimberly Warwick and this is Monty Judah, our director at Lion and Lamb Ministries. And we have quite a program for you today. As you can see, Monty, we're on our new set. Yep. And I hope that um, it pleases everyone and looks good to everybody. I feel comfortable. We feel comfortable, so we hope you enjoy that. And we have so many questions today. Questions are just piling in as they always do, but wow. Well, we'll see what I can do about in all answering subjects. as many of them as I can. Okay, well, here's the first one. All right. Brian has a question about the altar and the daily sacrifices that are coming in the near future. Yes. He says, if the altar has one sacrifice done on it before it's shut down, so in other words, they only get to do the one sacrifice, does it constitute a working altar or are two consecutive sacrifices needed and then a, a second part of his question is, if the altar runs for a month, the whole world would know that the altar is running. But if only one sacrifice is needed, it could start and stop in the blink of an eye, possibly catching the brethren unaware. What would be the best alert system for us? Well, let me offer this as an answer. I don't think this is going to catch us unawares. I think the moment that Israel is going up on the Temple Mount and they start the construction of the altar, it's mm -hmm. going to be a world-shaking event. I think the Palestinians and the Muslim world will begin to protest immediately. It'll be very controversial for them to do it. They will build the altar. They'll encase it. That is the stones and the ramp. Mm -hmm. And then they have to go through a seven-day ordination process. And they will complete the seven days. And it's on the eighth day that the first daily sacrifice takes place, the morning and the evening lambs take place. That's the one that is significant for us. That is the one that we want to pay attention to because that's the one the prophecy says that when that particular sacrifice is stopped is the beginning of the Great Tribulation. So you have the assembling the stones, going up on the Temple Mount, actually constructing the altar. Then you have the dedication that will take place, and then you'll have the daily sacrifice. I'm certain this will be on international news. Yes. I'm certain there will be a host of stories. We'll all know about it. We'll all know it's coming. Yes. Now, let's say that that happens, and they start the daily sacrifice, but it doesn't immediately shut down. Let's say that it goes for a while. Mm -hmm. I think the tension will still be on it. I think the tension will continue to build because... If you remember, the prophecy is the cessation of it. That means there has to be a resistance campaign to it. Mm -hmm. There has to be a major effort to go to the government of Israel and force them to stop it. Yes. And how long would that take? Let's say the government of Israel granted them the permission to do it. They go up, they do it. The way things usually happen in the Middle East, they, they try to make it work. But if it can't work, well, then that's when they reverse their position. So how long do I think the altar could be operating and we'll all watching it? I, I'm speculating. Mm -hmm. But I think it co possibly could be a month or two months. Right. And we would all know about this. We would be discussing it. We would be paying close attention. I would be reminding everybody, watch for when it gets shut down. That's yeah. the sign. And there would be a lot of people asking, well, what's the altar mean and why the daily sacrifice? Mm -hmm. And there would be a whole lot of those discussions going on. Mm -hmm. So I don't think any of this is going to catch anybody by surprise. Mm -hmm. In fact, I actually think there will be a huge backlash on the part of the Christian world against it. Mm -hmm. And I have warned against this. Do not speak against that altar. That's God's ownership symbol for the earth. That's his table. Yes. 
And part of the abomination of desolation, the reason why it's called that, is because to shut that altar down is such an abomination that it leads to destruction. Yes. It leads to the day of the Lord. And that's mm -hmm. the way the Lord explained the prophecy and so forth. And that's the way the prophets describe it. So uh, uh, there's, you know, I'll, let me go one step further. There's one prophetic statement that I have made in my ministry that I definitely take lay claim to, and that is this. If the altar starts getting set up, and it does get set up, and it starts operating, and you're a believer, and you speak against this altar, you go around making the statement that that's blasphemy mm. to do that, that's opposed to Yeshua and, and so forth. I won't stand within 50 feet of you when the Great Tribulation starts. No. And the reason is, is because Ezekiel 9 describes how God is going to judge his own house first. Yes. And that judgment will be upon all those who joined in the abomination of the shutting down of the altar. That's right. That's his first judgment on the household of faith, mm -hmm. is anybody who participated in that, uh, because you clearly chose the devil and those opposed to God as opposed to choosing what God wanted. Yes. So, you know, we'll, we'll hear more about this as mm -hmm. the altar gets ready to be set up. And as it is set up, this will be a hot item for discussion. I believe you're right. And I think you brought up something that I hadn't thought of either, even as I was reading that question, was that it, it almost can't be shut down immediately after one sacrifice, because as you pointed out, politically, there'll be people protesting against it. There'll be pressure on the government to shut it. And all of those maneuverings take time. They do. Logistically, it, things don't just happen overnight. Right. There will be a movement and there will be many parts to it that will lead to the different decisions. Yes. Well, thank you so much you for will. that. There you have it, Brian. All right. So moving on to our next question, Merrill asks, if Messianics have an accurate knowledge of Scripture, then why do some believe holidays are okay and some say they are not? If we are one faith and claim accurate knowledge, then we would not be all of one body with one faith and one understanding of the word. Well, I had to chuckle at this question. Yes. The whole premise is here, if Messianics have, how did she say it? If Messianics had the, the truth of the, the accurate Scripture. The accurate knowledge. The accurate knowledge yes. of the Scripture. What makes you think that Messianics have that? Yeah. That's the reason why I'm a teacher. That's the reason why I'm in high demand. I'm trying to explain what the Scripture actually says because yes. most brethren, don't understand accurately what it says. And so right. if everybody, if she's presupposing that we messianics have it, I guess I'm out of a job. I guess I don't need to <laughs> and teach we don't want that. anymore. <laughs> so the whole premise of what she's saying is that, you know, we don't have the accurate information. We're still learning yeah. and processing. If I could characterize the modern messianic movement mm -hmm. to her, I would say we kind of look like a mob leaving <laughs> Egypt and en route to Mount Sinai to be taught the Torah and ultimately going to the Promised Land. I, I think we're about as organized as that yes. as, as they were before. You will not have to search very long to find where we were making all kinds of mistakes and not doing it right or correct and not treating our brethren correctly. The, Believe me, we, we've got it all going on. Mess, heavy emphasis on the messy part of the messianic movement. Yes, I love it when you say that because I think it's so true. Of all of all denominations, really, 
none, nobody has all of the right answers and we're all just trying all to do learning. the best we can. We're all learning. learning. And, and we, need to, we need to show a little grace toward yeah. our other brethren. Yes, indeed. And even the people that hear my teaching and don't necessarily agree with it, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the kingdom belongs to the Lord. I'm, I'm not in charge. I'm just one of his servants. Amen to that. Okay, well, our next question comes all the way from South Africa. Okay. This is from Neil and Nicolette, and they okay. say, as they're getting older, they've been planning their, you know, how you get your, your affairs in order, and you sort of plan for maybe a memorial or service or something after you pass, and so mm-hmm. they've been doing all of those things, and they started discussing cremation versus burial. Right. And so they are Messianic believers, and right. they want to obey God's commandments and His instructions, right. and so they ask, they, they read something about burning bodies being a pagan practice, and so they, they were thinking, well, maybe we shouldn't do that. So they really would like your counsel on the difference between Well, how, how you uh, burial or cremation is purely custom. There is no commandment associated with it. I will tell you that within the Jewish community, they generally avoid cremation because of the previous generations having to deal with the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And of course, the ashes and the ovens that were used, the yeah. crematoriums that were used there. So most Jews, when they pass, they don't want that. They want to be buried. Yes. And and burial in a casket in a cemetery is the more traditional way mm-hmm. of doing it. But as you go around the world and go to different places, you'll find out they have different customs for it. And mm-hmm. as messianics, as believers, I would say follow the customs that your family is accustomed to, whoever the bereaved is, what are their wishes right. about how to do it. And so there is nothing in the scripture that precludes or stops you from doing it. Okay. Don't listen to somebody going around saying, oh, that's a pagan practice. Believe me, everything in the world has been corrupted at one time or another. Mm-hmm. You could make that excuse about chewing bubble gum for crying out loud. <laughs> but it's a custom, yeah. and you should select something that your family is comfortable with. Okay, so just to be clear, there's nothing in our scriptures that no. would tell us one way or the other. No. Okay. Absolutely not. All right. Other than the, the burial and uh, the final order of the handling of the dead body needs to be done because a dead body is considered to be an unclean yes. thing and it needs to be handled in a proper way. Absolutely. And I think handled honorably toward the yes. deceased. Yes, sir. All right. Well, our next question is from Melvin. And Melvin would like to know where in the Bible can he find the scriptures relating to the, the six or the five months of darkness? And could you explain a little bit more about that? He's been reading up on that. Okay, well, you're talking about the fifth trumpet. It's described in Revelation chapter 9. The whole chapter there is addressing that. And the fifth trumpet sounds, and there is a heavenly body. We think it's an asteroid. It could be a comet. It could be some sort of heavenly body is going to do a deep impact scenario on the earth. We believe it will be on the landmass, not on the sea. Right. Because it's going to open an abyss. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to open a pit in the earth. It's going to go deep. And there's going to be a resulting explosion, dust, dirt, smoke, everything blown up into the atmosphere. And as a result, uh, the atmosphere is going to be filled with debris mm-hmm. and smoke. And that's what's going to darken the earth. It's going to bring about darkness. And the prophecy goes on to speak of five months of darkness. That's going to be a very serious fount of debris and smoke going up to accomplish that because there's three great wind currents 
around the earth mm -hmm. and you're going to have to invade all That's three right. of those wind currents to be able to darken the earth the way it's described. Additionally, and this is the, the scary part about this prophecy, by opening the abyss, it says it unlocks in the pit, in the yes. abyss, mm -hmm. a set of demons that have been captive there. Yes. And they're very highly organized. There's a leader mm -hmm. of them. They come forth to the surface of the earth in the midst of the darkness to torment men. Mm -hmm. Now, these demons aren't your typical Hollywood demons. These right. things are as big as a horse. Yes. Apparently, they have a, a large breastplate for a structure, whether mm -hmm. it may be a bony structure or whatever. They have wings. They have tails that can sting like mm -hmm. a scorpion. They, they don't have the ability to kill you, but they do have the ability to terrorize you, and they have the ability to uh, inflict pain on you. Yes. And they're organized, and they will attack communities and cities and so forth. People will be attempting to defend themselves against it. Now, interestingly enough, there's, there's two ways to defend against them, according to the prophecy. This, mm -hmm. this is the fascinating part of this prophecy. One... If you're one of the 144,000, you have the name of God in your forehead, you don't have to worry about them. And if you're around one of those people, all you have to do is stand with them and you'll be protected from them. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> That's one of the reasons why you might want to get to know the 144,000 in yes. the Great Tribulation. That's <laughs> yes. a future event. But the other is, and this is really kind of unique, and that is that it says they can't harm anything that's green. Ooh. So an evergreen tree or green vegetation or whatever. One of the questions was asked me many years ago, what about green camouflage? Well, I don't know. You know, you know, I can see two guys hiding behind a rock. There's one of them out there and he's in camo. And he said, well, stand up and see if it works. You know, I don't know. <laughs> when we get there, I'm sure it's not going to be funny. I'm sure it's going to no. be scary. Yeah. However, this is a short-term issue. In other words, they, they come out. They torment men uh, during the darkness. But apparently when the darkness begins to subside, and I believe the darkness will begin to subside when the, when the sign of the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven begins to appear. Zechariah says the clouds will scroll back. Yes. Uh, they'll dissipate. And ultimately that's all that debris in it is going to be precipitated back down at the day of the Lord as 100-pound hailstones. Mm-hmm. So all what goes up has got to come back down again. Yes, so indeed. that ninth trumpet is actually setting the stage for part of the judgments in the Great Tribulation, part of the revealing of the Son of Man when mm -hmm. he comes. But for us on the earth during that darkness, I get good news. If you're a believer, you're not caught in the darkness. Uh, Isaiah chapter 60 clearly talks about this scenario when the world is covered with darkness, but we'll have light. Yes. And many people will come to the light where we're at. It's like the same judgment that was in Egypt. Mm -hmm. You know, for three days it was darkness. Yes. Well, it said the Israelis uh, had luminaries. Yes. They had lights. There was light. But the Egyptians didn't have it. Mm -hmm. So I would expect some kind of similar scenario. Now, there's one other item that we need to take into account on this, and that's based on basic science, physical science. If you put enough debris, dirt, smoke, whatever, up in the upper atmosphere, that it forms very dark clouds, mm -hmm. and it mixes with the moisture and gets frozen and so forth, and it's moving about the currents 
of the, the wind stream. currents mm -hmm. and the jet stream of the Earth, it's going to be producing tremendous lightning storms. Yes. And so I think part of what this darkness is going to have is these strobe lights of lightning. And I think it's going to be fierce lightning storms, which will add to the dimension of people think we've come to the end of the ages and we've right. come to the end of the world, because that's part of what the sign is. Yes. And I think that'll be equally as frightening as any demons that show up. And the demons that show up, you're going to be able to hear them coming. Mm -hmm. You'll hear them as because they Because they're so large. They're so large, and the flapping of their wings, yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll cast off a great sound. It sounds terrifying. You know, if you hear a, a group of helicopters coming toward yes. you. By the way, I don't think this is a prophecy about modern helicopters. This is about real demons. Okay. But it, it's going to be a very serious scenario. And in fact, that fifth trumpet is referred to as the first woe. Right. In the book of Revelation, mm -hmm. and which means things are going to get really bad. Mm -hmm. By the way, let me just tell you, scientific community tells us that if we ever lose the sunlight for a period of up to four months, that the earth dies. Mm. There's no chance of survival. Right. And, and by the way, God says that when he comes back, that if he hadn't come back, no flesh would have survived. Yes. Part of that, I think the definition of that is because of the, the darkness extends to five months. Yes. So it's it's devastating. When you're in the earth, in the middle of that, you know the earth is dying. Yes. You know that everybody's going to die. If God doesn't come and save us, everybody's dying. Yes. So it's it, that that's a real downer. Let me yes. just go ahead. Yes. Maybe that's the reason why the scriptures refer to that period of time as the final days of indignation. Mm. In, in this prophecy in the scripture. So that's kind of a quick summary clips notes on what the fifth trumpet is all about and how it fits into the rest of the scenario. So being the fifth trumpet, he could find that it's in Revelation. Revelation chapter nine, read that okay. chapter. It's all the information that I've shared. Okay. With you. And also you have that wonderful teaching revealing the book of Revelation. Right. Where would we go also into that be in detail. Great. Yes. That's yeah. you, it's a revealing wonderful Revelation will go through all the judgments and tell you what all of them do. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for that explanation. Sure. Now we have a question from Camille. She's been studying Isaiah and she's been meditating on this verse. It's Isaiah 49, 6. It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. She thought and this is where her question comes in, that the people responding to Yeshua were the raised up tribes and the preserved of Israel. She says, if I'm not Jewish, like almost all people drawn to the Messianic movement, it would make sense to uh, view myself as the house of Israel. But even there, it seems that there's still a difference between a descendant and a foreigner. So how should she read this verse and not feel like God has a priority with the exiled northern kingdom over someone else who isn't or wasn't descended from them? She's really having trouble making sense of all of this. Right. Well, this is what we call an identity question. Yes. And to understand the biblical identity of God's people, we have to go back to originally when God made these covenants with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yes. He started working with this one man and his family, and particularly select members of his family. 
if you remember, it wasn't Ishmael that received the blessing. It was Isaac. It, mm -hmm. And with Isaac, it wasn't Esau. It was Jacob that right. got it. And then when you get down to Jacob, then he did a whole bunch of things. <laughs> he didn't work with Reuben, his firstborn. He worked with Joseph, the firstborn of Rachel. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, he worked with Joseph's children, Ephraim and Manasseh. Ephraim mm -hmm. was the secondborn. Right. And he raised them up equal to the other sons, equal to the other tribes of Israel, mm -hmm. and put actually Ephraim in kind of in charge, mm -hmm. even that to make them the greatest tribe. So there's a lot going on about God's choices of his chosen people. Okay. Now, they all, 70 souls went down into Egypt. And so that he had worked with that family, but then he begins to shift, and now he's going to form a nation. Mm -hmm. And so when he brings the children of Israel up, that fourth generation later, and he brings them out, he says very clearly it's a mixed multitude. It's not just native-born. Right. It's aliens, sojourners, and strangers amongst them. They're all brought in. They were all numbered with the tribes of Israel. They all became Israelites. Okay? Yes, sir. They all went to Mount Sinai. They all got the same covenant. They all got the same Torah and same commandments. Now, that's the standard for the rest of the Bible. The law, the commandments, I can assure you that every major commandment says this is a commandment for the native-born, for the alien and the sojourner who may be among you. Right. Every major commandment has that. There is no exclusionary in the covenant or in the commandments for other people. Now, what has happened since those days is there were divisions that happened within Israel. In mm -hmm. fact, there was a huge split between the northern tribes and the southern tribes. Ephraim led a revolt away from the house of right. Judah and mm -hmm. the house of David. So we see that split. And then within the confines of it, multiple splits within them and so forth. The whole northern kingdom kind of went off into captivity with the Assyrians. The southern kingdom, they had Babylonian captivity. They came back. There was all kinds of troubles and so forth. And in the midst of that, the Messiah came forth. Yes. That verse is about the Messiah. Mm -hmm. That verse is talking about how the Messiah is going to come back to restore all the tribes of yes. Israel, to bring them back together. And it says, reach out to the whole world. Yes. To be a light to all the nations of the people. The Messiah is coming to do what God originally intended when he started with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When he started with Israel coming out of Egypt. Yes. When he started there at Mount Sinai. The Messiah is coming to do what God always intended to do. Do not get distracted by the history in which the people did something other than what was God's purpose. Right. And especially when we come to Christianity, when it came, I'd say it, but we got a whole lot of Christian folks who decided, well, God decided to not do that Israel thing anymore, and let's start over. We'll start over with the church, which is nonsense. No, that's you know, right. God, our God does not change. No. He, he does not change his mind. He is the same yesterday, tomorrow. His covenants are eternal. His promises are eternal. And the promise that he made to Israel about, I, yes, you're going to get scattered, but I'm going to bring you back. And the mm -hmm. Messiah is going to be the one that brings you back. Yes. That is the reason why the Apostle Paul became the Apostle of the Gentiles to take the good news to the nations, not only to tell 
Jewish believers, but all other believers. Yes. The good news, the Messiah has come to be the light to the nations, and he's going to bring you all to the kingdom. Amen. But we still walk around with the stereotypes. Oh, we have Jews over here. We have Gentiles over there. Oh, now within the Messianic, oh, we got these Ephraimites over here, and we got these Messianic Jews over here. We, we still can't figure out what the big program is. Right. So people, when they look at various verses and they say, well, I see these different definitions. I see these different things in the history of Israel. I wonder if that's what's still going on. Mm -hmm. Well, to a certain extent, the, the trauma, the turmoil, yes, is still going on. Mm -hmm. But the plan of God has never changed. That's right. I guarantee you, come the end of the ages, the Messiah is bringing all the scattered exiles of Israel, his people, from all of the different nations, including the inhabitants that will join the house of Judah and the inhabitants that will join with the house of Ephraim, and they will all come back to be a part of his kingdom. Yes. And by the way, we'll all be citizens of the same kingdom. When we get there, I'm not going to be going announcing, oh, well, you know, I'm a Messianic Jew. Right. I'll be saying the same thing that everybody else says. I'm one of the sons of Abraham. Yes. I'm adopted too. Right. I was broken away and I was brought back. Right. The Messiah brought me back just like he brought back everybody. Yes. So that's our identity. And to tell you the truth, the modern Messianic movement really is an identity movement. It's trying to figure out who are we in the Lord. Mm -hmm. I'm here to tell you, we are the remnant of Israel. Yes. In these last days, we are part, God sees us as Israel. The promises he made to Israel are, are promises to us. Yes. Now, if you want to go into the distinction about your background of your grandmother or whatever, okay, fine. I don't have any problem with that. But before the Lord, every one of us that, that proclaim the name of Yeshua as the Messiah, every one of us belong in this kingdom. Yeah. There are no second-class citizens. We are all right. belong here. We all get the same spirit. We all have the same commandments. We all have the same baptism. We have the same king. Amen. We have the same. We're the, we're the same. Amen to that. Well, I want to say that I was going to see if we could get another question in, but we have an important announcement to make. Okay. We have, as Passover season approaches, yes. a wonderful set of materials that can help you prepare for Passover. So Monty, if you would just talk a little bit about this and tell our audience what we have here okay. in our marketplace. Well, uh, the, the first item I'm going to show you is this uh, video program that we built. Let's say you want to host a Passover in your home. We built this video program where we actually demonstrated mm -hmm. a Passover, showed you how to set the tables, all the elements that was in it. And, and we also have a Passover service in it. Now, you can actually plug this video in set up your Passover table, and this will go through and lead you through the Passover. Yes. You can follow the video program and for you know, it. We, when my family first came to know Lion and Lamb Ministries, we found that, and we actually did exactly what you just said. Well, a lot we of people put have. the DVD yeah. on and had our Seder. Yeah, and had your Seder. This yes. will actually enable you to do that. Now, this particular CD is the music that's mm -hmm. in this, that you can learn the music. Okay. We have some traditional Hebrew songs and other uh, joyous songs that go with the Passover. So we have a CD that will help you with that. Yes. But this is probably the more important item. This is a Passover Haggadah. This is the booklet that has the Seder, mm -hmm. the order of the thing with all the readings, 
prayers, uh, the cups, you know, yeah. it will walk you through the Passover sequence. Yes. Where if you're holding a Passover at your community or in your home, you want every adult to have one of these so they can all follow along because this actually walks you through it, right. shows you how to do it. Now, the video shows you how to use this, the songs that are in here, mm -hmm. that are in here, those are the song things for it. If you're planning on holding a Passover Seder and hosting one for the brethren, you definitely need to get this for your folks to follow along and follow a traditional Seder. Let, let me just comment for a moment that a traditional Seder has 15 elements in it. Now, I've heard some people coming in the Messianic moment, oh, I don't want to do this Jewish thing. <laughs> let me tell you where these 15 elements come from. They come from the New Testament. This is That's what right. Yeshua did with his disciples mm -hmm. when he ate the Passover. And by the way, the New Testament is the oldest Hebrew text that explains the sequence of a Passover Seder above and beyond anything the rabbis have written. The rabbi literature on Passover was written in 250 A.D. to 450 A.D., the New Testament is the one that explains the Seder that's in this. And wow. in fact, this Haggadah ties in the New Testament scriptures and the statements of the Messiah that was done in the Passover mm -hmm. that's in the Gospels. So if you're a Messianic and want to keep the Passover like the Messiah kept with his disciples, mm -hmm. we highly recommend this. Yes. You might want to think about getting this if you're planning on participating in Passover this spring. Mm -hmm. You need to get this stuff in advance. And yes. it takes some preparation yes. to get ready to do a Passover. We encourage you with these materials. Yes, and you can find those materials in our Messianic Marketplace at www.messianicmarketplace.org. And we encourage you to go there and look at all the materials we have. We've also got some new and beautiful Seder plates and cups to go with the Seder. It's just wonderful. So please, we encourage you to do that. And Monty, that's all the time we have for today. All right. Would you close us in prayer? Yeah. Father, thank you for our time that we've had together here, the questions we received. We ask, Lord, that you'd pour out a blessing on all of our brethren as they seek to understand your will and your commandments and to follow in your ways. We thank you for the Holy Spirit and the effort of the Holy Spirit to teach us and lead us in all truth. Thank you very much, Lord, in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all so much for joining us today. We hope you'll come back again on next Sabbath. And we ask you if you enjoyed our program, and we hope that you did, please like, share, and comment below so that we can know that you were watching with us. And we pray that you got a lot of information today to help you study the word, rightly dividing the word of truth. We'll see you next week.